0: Wow, two days in a row with an intro? Hi, I'm John. This is John Helps You Write Better. Let's talk about writing. Now, about a minute or so before I sat down to turn this microphone on and play the intro and just decide I was going to record a podcast, I had been working on a list of books to help you write better. Just a general, like, here's what you should put on your bookshelf sort of list. I had done one previously last week about different books you could read if you were struggling with first person or struggling with third person or struggling to create tension or struggling to create, you know, a mystery or something, a romance. And I thought that was honestly enough. I thought it was clear enough. I thought, yeah, well, here, this is what a writer is looking for. Here's the how-to on how to do a thing. Take it and go forward. And by and large, by the way, if you want to read that post so you know what I'm talking about, it's at johnhelpsyouwritebetter.medium.com. You can't miss it. It's right on the top. And I, I honestly thought this post was going to be fine. I thought this post would cover and say everything I needed it to say. And then I could go back to talking about other more specific things in other more specific mediums. However, I had no idea that that was only part of what people wanted. Now, that's not necessarily their fault. It's my fault for not communicating more clearly and asking what it was they wanted when they asked me for lists of books. But at the same time, my question is this, and I'm, I'm doing this in audio so that I can kind of unspool my thoughts so I can turn this around and do something in text when this is all said and done. But at the same time, I'm, I'm wondering why. Why ask for, well, what's the best detective story? Well, what's the best romance novel? Well, what's the best fantasy story? And this is why there's sort of this little black hole, this little scylla and charybdis when it comes to writing advice. Everybody wants the best. I know. I I, earlier this morning, I was looking at, you know, what were the top games of the year? What was the what was the best thing on the Nintendo Switch in the last 11 months? What's the best way to play this game? What's the best way to you know, how should I watch this or engage with this thing? We're always looking for the best. We're always looking for sort of the award winning top of the food chain, big cap on the pyramid level stuff. I think because the The assumption is that that stuff is made of higher quality, and we won't be wasting our time engaging with things that don't do whatever they do as well as that thing at the top. I think it's a matter of picking priority, and I think it's a matter of assuming that what we say is the best has the most to offer. Now, I want to compare this outside of books and writing just for a minute. By all accounts, in food. One of the best cuts of meat you can get is wagyu beef. It's, it's made of magic cows or something. And it's, it's very fatty and very rich and it's hyper marbled and it's crazy expensive and, and videos and, and TikToks and Instagrams and stuff. Treat this stuff like it's, it's deli counter sliced roast beef for sandwiches. They burn through this stuff in an effort to show you how well they can cook or sizzle or fry things. And I've had it, and I don't like it. It might be the best, but I didn't like it. It didn't make me savor or appreciate meat anymore. It didn't go the other way and make me swear off meat either. But at the same time, it it just didn't it didn't get me. It wasn't my thing. Other people love it. That's great. I'm very happy for you. But at the same time, seeking out just the best is not a guarantee that you will find the best material that's going to help you get better at doing a thing. If I wanted to get better at eating steak, yes, I could absolutely go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a meal, I guess, if I wanted to but that's not going to necessarily make me appreciate meat or steak culture or something like that anymore. It's easy because it's a, it's a single point to start with. But if I decide, okay, I want to read a book, I want to eat a meal. I want to appreciate a piece of art starting with what's considered to be the best is going to be lost on me because I have not necessarily developed the framework or the tools to take it apart and appreciate it. Because if you just stick, I don't know, the Mona Lisa in front of me, I'll go, yeah, okay, cool. That's a painting. It's got some depth and color and shading and wow, it's smaller than I thought. And I guess whoever made this thing was really, really cautious and really, really careful and very deliberate and very, very talented. But if you were to get me into like a greater sense of art appreciation, I'd want to get closer up to it. Now, you can't get that close to the Mona Lisa. It's under a case and it's temperature controlled and all this, that, and the other thing. But in order for me to appreciate something, if I'm going to learn how to take that and install it in my own life, install it in my own work, what can the Mona Lisa teach me? I need to be able to see the tools. I need to be able to know, okay, when I look at the Mona Lisa, I'm going to look at lighting and shadow. I'm going to look at brush strokes. I'm going to look at composition. I'm going to look at color choice or reflection on a face or or something. I'm going to use the tools I know in order to better dissect and appreciate this thing in front of me. And without those tools, just by reaching for the best thing, I am not necessarily guaranteeing that even though it's the best book or the best steak or the best whatever, I'm not guaranteeing that what I'm getting is the best education from this best device, this best piece of media, this best thing. If I don't have the tools for it, it doesn't really matter what it is. Now, sure, maybe if I was in greater uh if I had more resources, if I had more education, if I was just better off, I could, you know, sit there with my quail eggs and my caviar and my wagyu beef and really, you know, fix my monocle and talk about how, you know, the pores are ruining everything. And then I could better appreciate Wagyu beef. But when it comes to seeking out the best as an instrument for education, that's not necessarily easy to do, nor is it really the best thing to do, which is why I've been struggling with a blank page over on that other tab on my monitor when it comes to writing, well, what's the best book in a genre? Because it's incredibly subjective. If I ask you, well, what's the, who's the best team in a sport? How are you going to answer that? that? Is just going to tell me who won the championship and that must be the best? What if they didn't score the most points? What if they're not the flashiest to watch? What if the reason they won is because they're boring? You know, What if they don't have the high-profile super talent? What if they don't do a lot? What if they just play consistently and that's how they win because everybody else is trying a million things? Yeah, looking at the best of something in terms of championship or accomplishment. Oh, this thing won an award. It must therefore be good. That doesn't mean it's good for you. And that doesn't mean it's going to teach you something specific that will help you because you can go look at a movie that won the best picture and you can go read its screenplay and you can go try and figure out like what makes this tick. But if you're at a point in your screenwriting career, looking at that screenplay is going to help at least learn the format and learn how to, oh, I can craft scenes this way or that way. But part of that's still going to come down to practice. You're going to get better at writing a screenplay if you write more screenplays more so than if you just read them. You can go get better at crafting a romance novel, yeah, if you read some romance novels, but also it comes down to how you write your romance novel that makes a difference. The you component so often gets minimized and avoided when we're talking about forming these best of lists or forming something Objective about a subjective thing. I can't say for certain what is or what isn't the best book in a genre. I can make some recommendations. I can say, you know, here are the books that impacted me, but you aren't me. The reason these books impacted me because is because of who I was and where I was and what was going on at the time I read them and how I connected those dots to my own life. But I wouldn't expect you to have those exact same circumstances because you weren't 15 or 17 when these things happened. You weren't sitting there in this chair at this moment when that happened. So I can't guarantee that the experience you'll have with this book is the same as the experience I had with this book. That's not because you're stupid. It's not because you're bad or dumb or wrong or something. It's just because we're different people. And because of that difference, the ability to craft a best of that is universal, I think is somewhat of a losing effort. And why so often so many of these best ofs or top 10s or whatever's are usually done for the purpose of engaging like affiliate links and sales because that way at least somebody will pick something up and there will be some tangible benefit to it. So much of ranking our creativity stems from this idea of subjective versus objective universality. If I tell you that the best fantasy novel is not one high fantasy novel and you love high fantasy and hate the other fantasy genres, you'll probably not believe me. And that's fine. Your journey through writing, through reading, through consuming media, I don't care whether it's any kind of creative content, painting, screenwriting, filming, sex work, uh, dancing, crafting, whatever. Whatever it is, your journey and building your own top 10 list of whatever is built on your experience and your want and your goals. I'm not saying that these other lists can't be resources for you in the sense of, oh, I'm gathering more things. But it comes down to, does this thing I take from this list, does this help me specifically as me? Or am I just collecting these things because everybody said they were popular? Or am I just reading this because... It's supposed to be really good, but if it doesn't click for me, does that make me at fault? And the answer is no. If you look at the top five things and you hate every single one of them, that doesn't mean you're a bad consumer of that stuff. It just means that those five things didn't click for you. They don't have to. It'll be fine. You'll be okay. My challenge to you is to build your own top ten. What works for you, and this thing is a constantly evolving thing. That if you were to list your top 10 favorite things, you know, 10 years ago, you were a different person than you would list those top 10 things today versus listing those top 10 things six months from now. Things change over time, you change over time, your ranking and grading of things should change over time. I'm struggling with a best of how to help you super list because I'm trying to make something that is personal to you, universal to everyone. And I'm challenging you not to do that same thing. Build your own top 10 list. Think about what works and what doesn't, and then grow from there. Give it some thought, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.